1: That my connection to Latino culture is not is not me being a fraud. My yeah. connection to uh, Middle Eastern culture is not me being a fraud. and my connection to being American is not is all of it can exist yeah. in one. yeah, but I think it then, for me, it took me longer to be m- my authentic self.
0: New York, I know you, are kind of, you are...
1: yeah.
2: Hi, human beings who are listening to this, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> welcome to episode one of La Mezcla. Uh, my name is Adrian Burke. I am the creator and host of this program. Um, I am a Peruvian-American uh, writer, uh, actor, and improviser. Uh, here on La Mezcla, uh, I want to talk to other people from multiracial, multi-ethnic backgrounds and uh, just get a sense of what their unique experiences are. My guest today is Alex Nader. Alex is one of the busiest people I know. She's uh, an actor, a writer, a producer, a director. Uh, She does it all. Uh, Alex uh, releases comedy videos with her comedy duo, Rosa Baby Comedy. She is the creator and star of the upcoming short film Side Piece, and you can catch her doing shows all over the city. Uh, Alex is uh, Venezuelan and Lebanese, uh, and I was really... uh, It weirded me out a little bit to hear how... Similar, our experiences are, even though we come from completely different cultural mixes. So I hope you enjoy.
0: I moved to
2: New York when I was like Oh, nice! Yeah.
1: Oh my goodness! Where, uh where in Boston? Where, where what hospital? Do you remember what you
2: Brigham and Women's? <gasps> Same one? I know it well. Hey. No, 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 no. I
1: was born in Beverly, I got Beverly, so Massachusetts. Did. I'm such a townie through and through. <laughs> I am I'm, I'm Massachusetts trash. I'm such a townie. <laughs> how do you think how uh, how
2: are you Massachusetts trash?
1: Um actually I'm really not cuz I went to like a very nice Catholic private school and it was like a nice town that I was raised in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were sort of ta- we were just sort of talking about this before the yeah. Anything started recording, but of, of being sort of raised in very suburban white communities. Yeah. Yeah. What that you, was a what you, huge thing. What
2: do you remember about that?
1: Oh my God. Like, I were just, there
2: parts that stood out as being really shitty or parts that were really good?
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, I think some parts were shitty, but your kid brain can't sort of understand why yeah. at that age. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just have a feeling of being different, but you're not entirely. You're not entirely aware of the reason I think behind it. Hmm. You know, my sister was very aware, which was very insane. I remember we um
2: Is your sister older?
1: My sister's older. Yeah. Okay, yeah. She's older. So is mine. Um... Oh, really? Yeah. Mhm. Does she st- where does she live now?
2: She lives in Brooklyn now.
1: <gasps> oh, okay.
2: Yeah. I feel like we have weirdly mirrored lives.
1: We do. I think so. <laughs> I think this is yeah. really real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, it was a crazy story. So was it
2: sort of a was it sort of a thing where you'd realize later in life, like, yeah. oh, parts of my childhood were <laughs> strange. Were strange, exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Can you think
2: of anything that uh, stood out as strange?
1: Um, I'm trying to think. I I remember that I always sat. I I always. <laughs> I actually I don't want to put anything behind this, but this is just what happened. I think the only diverse people in my entire school were me and Mohini Bakta, and I remember her name specifically. <laughs> oh my gosh. Because God, she's who I sat her. with at lunch. Wow. Every day. Wow. <laughs> like, like I sat with her and like two other wonderful weirdos yeah. like we were. Yeah. But we certainly we I don't know if we like purposely had gravitated towards each other, but She's the name from high school that I remember, I, I, and I don't remember anybody else's name.
2: I had kind of a weirdly <laughs> similar thing. It's almost like uh, you don't realize that you're gravitating towards these other people, uh, yeah. and then years later, you're like, oh, yeah, there's a reason. Like my One mm-hmm. of the people from high school, the only people from high school that I keep in contact with, his name's Matt Suarez. <laughs> I don't know if he'll listen to this, but he's Brazilian, and we <laughs> were like the best of friends, still are. Wow. Uh, and it... Occurs to me like every so often. It's like I don't keep in touch with anybody, no one, or really care about. <laughs> I hope nobody from my high school is listening to this. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I know, right? It's it's strange to think how that stuff. Uh, how a cultural identity affects you in ways when you are a kid that you don't realize. You about. don't realize, no.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. I don't know why that just popped into my head, but out of every single person at that Catholic school, Mohini Bhakta. Bhakta is the name I <laughs> is the only name that I remember clearly. Do you
2: still keep in touch with her at all?
1: No, I don't. Which that would sucks. be amazing. I, it would be it would be amazing to contact her and just like trade war stories and see yeah. if we were living in the same reality. Yeah, and if there was some sort of subconscious gravitational pull to one another
2: were there any times where you felt because uh, a catholic school in suburban massachusetts
1: holy shit that's, right that's a
2: specific <laughs> level of like puritanism <laughs> can you think of any
1: Oh
0: my t- god do you
2: remember any times where because you just mentioned my reality
0: yeah
2: could you think of any times where your reality f- felt different from like the school's reality or the town's reality you grew up in
1: yeah. Um I'm trying I'm really trying to think if if there was anything like really this is why I said that my sister I think had stronger experiences than I did. Yeah. My my sister was like a journal keeper as a kid, uh. which I never was. And when we recently moved from the house that I was raised in, yeah. we found a bunch of her old journals when she was like a child, and there is an actual um there's an actual part in her journal. That said, I don't know what to do today. The kids are making fun of me because I'm brown and have glasses. Oh, my God. And that was a real thought. Wow. From a real child. Wow. And so, I mean, my sister is just a lot more, okay. a, a lot more aware yeah. than I am of her surroundings. Kids are assholes, man. Yeah, right? Kids are the <laughs> Kids worst. Are the worst. Yeah.
2: Well, Kids I, are the worst. I have, I've told a few people about this. I have really vivid memories. I grew up in like, in Westchester County, which is maybe mm. the richest like suburb yep. in America. Yeah, some statistic about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I vividly remember that probably from the years of... Second to fifth grade, like those kind of year early years, that yeah. uh, the word Mexican was deployed as an insult. Like it really? was kids threw, like, you're a Mexican at each other. Oh, and, yeah. And I remember going to uh, everyone, going on play dates with all my rich friends, yeah. <laughs> and like meeting their Guatemalan nanny <laughs> and being like, why are you talking like this? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so strange how yeah. that like cruelty. Coming out of the sound of a, like the mouth of a kid is yeah crazy,
1: crazy. yeah that's so insane it's so true um, you know the other thing I just thought of with that sort of thing is that I think I I think I got a free pass because I think with my specific neighborhood class had a lot to do with money
0: mm.
1: instead of I think race mm. and because we were raised with, with, with money. Hmm. I didn't, I, I don't think as a child, I felt that Interesting hatred, but because I think of the neighborhood I was in it, the class system was more to do with money than I think it was to do with race. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we lost everything in the recession, but you know, <laughs> oh, no. as a kid, I remember, I remember having like That, I don't think I ever felt those things, but I just think it's because when you look at our, um, I think when you look at our country, I think money is the thing that speaks the loudest, Mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that. Uh, that was interesting. That's sort of a really out.
2: interesting thing you said about yeah. feeling like you got a pass. Yeah, I think I can I can definitely relate yeah. to that because I'm way more white-passing than you are.
0: <laughs> uh, so uh,
2: so I got a pass on I get a pass on everything. Yeah. On the, on the daily, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, another thing I'm interested in talking to mixed race people about, mm-hmm. uh, especially because you're a Venezuelan and Lebanese and Lebanese. Right? Yeah. So are are there God. time? Yeah, I mean, it's, it I'm sure it's, it's crazy <laughs> confusing. So how does yeah. how does the mix shake out? Which side yeah. is which?
1: So, my father is from a small town outside of Beirut called Jeladib. Okay. And my mother is from Caracas, Venezuela. Great. And they...
2: And they're both immigrants?
1: They're both immigrants. They Great. met in college when they both came here to the States to go to school.
2: Hell yeah. Right? Good for them. I
1: know. So, that was really cool. And they met They met in Boston. They met at Northeastern. Beautiful. Yeah. Which is really, really cool. So, I'm first generation. Yeah. Uh, both of them came here from their respective countries right. which was really great and it was interesting I gravitate more towards my mother I gravitate more towards her Venezuelan culture I speak Spanish I can't speak Arabic Yeah, and I think it's just because there's a very interesting thing when you have immigrant parents you either have a parent that's like you're going to learn the culture because mm. we came here and you're right. not going to forget where the hell we came from right? or you have a parent that's like we are here now Forget everything from there. Yeah. Because we are American now, and the best way to be American is to pretend that the crappy life we came (laughs) from no longer exists.
2: So were your parents more assimilators or more stick-to-your-roots type?
1: That was the thing. I think my father was more an assimilator, and he was like... I think because he had a a little bit of a shittier time. Mm. Like, he came from, like, a war-torn country. Right. And I think the sort of catalyst to getting him to the States was he saw a teacher like killed in front of him. He was like in a classroom. Wow. And saw his teacher killed and was like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. And so he like hopped on a boat to Cyprus and then from Cyprus got here.
2: That's so interesting. Yeah. I like, never thought yeah. about it that way because yeah. my mom didn't come from particularly difficult circumstances when mm-hmm. she immigrated here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that probably makes sense that someone who didn't leave under dire circumstances, circumstances. <laughs> wants to preserve that culture and exactly. that feeling. Yeah. Wow. So was that ever a point of, a point of tension? Was, was Your mom was much more like, let's be Venezuelan?
1: Yeah. It, to, to the point, I don't think it was a point of tension, but to the point where I think my father... Sometimes he feels more Venezuelan than he does Lebanese to me. Like, huh. he took on my mother's uh, sort of heritage, almost. Like, he speaks perfect Spanish. Hell yeah. He can... What what I think is, like, the mark of a real Spanish speaker is when they can argue in Spanish. Yeah. Like, when they can keep their argument precise in the language, and he can do that. That's awesome. In Spanish. So I think he really just hopped on my mom's bandwagon.
2: That's great. I mean, if he was, you know, trying to assimilate into America, it sounds like he was just looking for a cultural home. Exactly. I think that
1: exactly. That's so cool.
2: Another thing is is because I think if someone asked me, if I asked you to like define what is American culture, I couldn't tell you what that (laughs) what that is. Oh,
0: I could
1: never tell you. So Like, like, I don't I don't even know. Well, you know what? The best way I can think I to describe it, this just popped into my head.
0: Go for it. When you
1: go to, like, Epcot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Keep going.
1: When you go to Epcot and it's, like, all the countries. Yeah. And, like, uh, you go to, like, uh, Mexico and they have, like, Aztecs. And then you go to, like, France and they have, like, berets and wonderful art. Yeah. And then there's a section that's Washington, D.C. And that's, like, our capital. Yeah. And literally what's there is funnel cakes and, like, uh, like those, the, those, like, weird hats that that uh, you sort can of put like, like
2: beer cans in.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I was thinking that like Barbershop quartets wear.
2: Oh my god! You know what I'm really? talking about?
1: Yeah, <laughs> so like that's just, our culture. So our like, culture
2: is just the 1950s. <laughs> yes,
1: I don't know. I think so. <laughs> like that's what I think of as American culture. I think of like Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yeah. And I think. Me too. Uh, I think of
2: hot dogs. I think
1: of hot dogs. I think of white bread. Yeah. Which I sucks. think of Americana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: So do you? We're both obviously legally Americans. Yeah. Do you feel? Do you feel American?
1: Yeah, I think I. Yeah, I feel American.
2: Yeah.
1: I th- I certainly do. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm very Americanized for cool. sure. Um,
2: what do you think? What does that mean? Very Americanized.
1: Like I can I I understand our culture. I understand pop culture. Mm. You know, I get references on our TV. I.
2: Um, that's, a, I that's I think that's a that's
1: a huge part I of it. I think that's
2: a really huge part of it. Yeah, references. Uh, yeah, uh, our culture is really, really pop culture heavy and really, mm-hmm. really reference heavy. Mm-hmm. And I remember even as a kid not understanding a bunch of references that other people would throw out there. Uh, like yeah. um, I'm trying to think of. I did. I also this was maybe as I got a little older, like mm-hmm. late high school, college years. But I spent a long time not knowing who Ben Folds was, <laughs> 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 and I. <laughs> I had and still have a lot of white friends. And especially when I started doing comedy, I would start doing scenes and people would reference Ben Folds all the time. So I had I like went home and listened to a Ben Folds album and hated it That's great. Uh, just so that I could understand what other people were talking about.
1: That's great. Yeah. Um. Oh, my God. You know, as as I'm as we're talking, I'm starting to realize maybe I was just like such a space cadet as a kid because it's hitting me. N- Like now the things I didn't get then, like, um, now that I work for that company story pirates, we just talk a lot about like children's books we used to read or nursery rhymes or they always reference, like, it sounds like this nursery rhyme. And for the first time I'm realizing I didn't, I'm like, I don't know what that is. Uh, Like, you know,
2: I was hanging out with
1: this. I'm realizing now that things that people know, everybody knows as children. I'm like, I don't, I don't have any.
2: Yeah. It makes you feel like a little bit of an an alien. Yeah. exactly. I was hanging out with uh, uh, this musical improv team I perform with and we were, everybody was going around and we were trading um, uh, like songs that Mm -hmm. our mom sang to us when we Mm -hmm. were a kid. Uh, And like most of them I didn't recognize. And then when the attention came to me, I was just like, uh, my mom sang pio 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 to yes, 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 me. Yes, Did yes. your mom sing that?
1: Yes. Oh, um, or that one that's like or, uh, uh, or the
2: uh, aroromi niño, aroromi sol. <laughs> <laughs> and I like sang it, and everybody looked at me, there, and it was that trademark like, like I'm mm, a caring, New yes, York exactly, white person. Like that's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Like, where uh-huh. they make direct eye contact with you, and you're like, that's so
1: cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or that one for babies that's like arrepita de man. Dick, da, oh. na, da, da, da. it's really crazy <laughs> it's all it. such crazy things but that's the stuff that's triggering yeah. to me now yeah instead of like uh, i don't know uh, the little lamb thing that yeah. people sing to kids i don't know that one well,
2: i think that's just you know we're a little older and a little bit more in touch with our identity oh yeah when, when you're a kid who knows what the fuck you're thinking about
1: exactly
2: <laughs> i uh I watched, uh, and just because we're in Washington Heights and we're both Latino, I have to reference Lin-Manuel. Go ahead. I mean, we're here. I watched this this interview uh, he did uh, uh, with the Hollywood Reporter, I think, talking about creativity and uh, staying creative as you get older and he said something I'm going to botch the quote but he no, said something ahead. to the effect of like growing up is about learning to bring uh, all of yourself into the room instead of the parts of yourself that match the rest of the room Oh yeah like, oh, speak to me Lynn like as, as a I love that like I spent I've spent my entire life trying to be white, like yeah. in, a, in a big way and succeeding. and So I think it's only recently. And part of the reason I wanted to start this podcast is to yeah. start bringing all of myself into the room.
1: Wow. Know? I love that. Yeah. But that is, I think, wow, you really just spoke to something. I think that that has been the biggest challenge for me. I know that um, this is a little insider ball. The fact that we're both artists and do work that we have to sort of bring ourselves into the room. Every day, all the time. Yeah. And that was really challenging for me at first. Like, I I moved to New York when I was 18, and I've been at this for nine years now. Mm -hmm. But when I first got here, it was really, really, really hard. Yeah. Only because I had no idea how to to, um, bring all of myself because I don't think I knew what all of myself yeah, was exactly,
0: exactly you know what I
1: mean because you are very trapped like right culturally you're wa- you're raised in this very white community but that's not what people well for me that's not what people see when they look at me right so me neither yeah so I I always sort of say this like uh Sort of at the beginning when I first got here, I always went into the room for, like, Madam Secretary, and they would try to, like, put a hijab (laughs) on me.
0: Oh, my God. And
1: then they would, like, I would be texting my father because there would be Arabic lines, and he would voice memo over what they sounded like. And I felt like such a fraud, like a true fraud, because then I'd be in the room with these wonderful women, and they'd be like, finally, authentic (laughs)
0: <laughs> Middle Eastern
1: yeah. women Let's talk getting about, the parts I and think, I was like I am should not be here <laughs> I should not be here but I also can't ever go in for like uh, like a tied to go commercial where the mom is like uber white like yeah. that also doesn't yeah.
2: work I think so it's a, really
1: really hard I think you're yeah. hitting the
2: nail on the head yeah. uh, especially with the word fraud which constantly runs through my head yes uh, yes but there's this feeling of um uh, almost like, it's almost like homelessness.
0: Yes, kind I of. guess, agree. Uh, because
2: yeah. uh, you just feel trapped between things, mm-hmm. and you're not enough of one thing to satisfy one group, and not enough of the other to satisfy the, the other group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it affects me, especially in the audition room, because it's a business where we're judged by how we look. look exactly. Uh, but just like all the time, too. Like yeah. every day. What uh, mm-hmm. can you, Are there any other contexts where like that kind of imposter syndrome
1: comes up? Oh, yeah. I remember early on, um, the Madam Secretary thing happened to me twice, and I don't know why they kept bringing me in for that that show, but the other thing I remember was I would go in for Sesame Street a lot, and wow. they would need uh, bilingual speakers, which I was. Yeah. But the other thing about, I don't know if you deal with this, like a bit of an American accent's going to come out when you speak Spanish. I I'm, like,
2: I'm literally asked my mom the other day to give me pronunciation lessons. Exactly. Because my accent's gotten so shitty.
1: It's gotten horrible. Yeah. And it's its still there. You could still speak the language. You yeah. can read it. But no matter what, you're just not going to sound the same as someone who was born and raised right. in... In a Latino country, that's yeah. just not going to be... Do you be. go
2: back to Venezuela at all?
1: God, I... No, I haven't been there for about five years. We mm. used to go all the time yeah. Yeah. until Chavez took over. And then after that, yeah. we yep. just it just wasn't safe. And then Maduro is there now, and it's still not so safe. Really bad. It's really bad. Um, and is I still on, have some family there. Is that on your there. mind at all? Yeah. It, it's, I think it's more on my mother's mind. Because now, thankfully, all her, her brother and sister... Her sister uh sort of came here around the same time my mother did uh-huh. but her brother stayed there he was a it was very much the yeah. the immigrant story of he was or is a renowned doctor in a lot of latino communities wow and he knew that if he had moved here he just wouldn't have had the um the lifestyle he would have elsewhere.
2: Especially with doctors who immigrate from anywhere. That's a very common story. It's a
1: huge story. And he, I think he was just smart enough to know that would be his story. Good for him. You know? So he stayed in Venezuela for as long as he could until he realized it was just, it was literally too dangerous for for him to be there anymore. And he didn't even, I don't think he even came here. He does like conferences and stuff like in Argentina and places like that where I think the move was a little bit, easier you know what I mean cool do you still have family there uh, just my 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 grandmother's sister the America is what we call her even though she's my grandmother's sister because okay. that's what we do um she's still there cool and I think it's very much a sense of like mm. um, I, I'm not moving I'm too old uh, you know what I mean I'm yeah, staying love where your I'm, life. I'm literally staying in my country yeah you know
2: yeah I, yeah. I still have a bunch of family in Peru Um
1: that's great. thankfully
2: is well the president literally just got impeached and we put in a new president that's right um, yeah generally speaking peru is doing okay mm-hmm. uh, but my mom's one of five uh mm-hmm. and almost all of them i think all of them are back in lima now or in peru so my mom's the only one in america wow. so it's this uh strange uh isolation yeah kind of kind of deal yeah do you ever feel isolated from your heritage at all
1: Yeah, for sure. Not anymore because I've, I think again, like you, I've made a point to try to reconnect with it. Yeah. Um, and it's actually not very challenging anymore because, uh, my sister did a wonderful thing and she, she became an immigrations attorney. That's what she does now. And my mother is her translator. So my mother is her court translator.
2: Family business. I know. Right.
1: Um, so I think, luckily, because of that, I get to stay very Wait, in we, tune with...
2: We've talked about this, right? My hmm. mom is a court interpreter.
1: We have talked about we, this. Okay, hey, your yeah, mom yeah. is a court interpreter. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
2: My mom's an interpreter for the Supreme Court in White Plains, New York.
1: That is so, so funny. So
2: we have these weird mirror
0: lives. We have
1: these weird mirror things. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah. And I, I do think that it goes back to that thing of fraud. Yeah. So so when all, all when I first got here, I... It was so challenging because yeah. that's because if you go and someone and then someone like an agency has to represent what you look like. Right. They're going to put you into rooms that you you feel like a fake in.
2: Yeah. You know, all the time. All the time. And I've only recently started getting called in. More consistently for Hispanic Latino stuff, and uh-huh. I—that's where I feel like a fraud the most. Yeah, uh, yeah. either because it my ac- either because my accent's no good, mm-hmm. or like everybody else is darker skinned, and mm-hmm. I'm lily white. And right, <laughs> feel like a complete <laughs> imposter.
1: Yeah, there yeah. was even this thing. Oh God, do you remember this trend? And uh, oh my God, my na- uh, Do you remember this trend? Uh, maybe about two years ago when. If you were sort of white passing, you would change your last name. Yeah. to something a little bit more
2: I've had I've had Latino. I've had multiple uh, agents that I've met with tell me that I should probably change my name. <sighs> yeah. Uh, but oh I'm God. I'm double fucked because my mom's maiden name doesn't even sound Peruvian. Right. My mom's maiden name is Testino, which sounds Italian. So whenever <laughs> whenever they'd be like just take your mom's maiden name. I'd would say like, "Oh, it's Testino." And they'd be like, "Ah, that doesn't really work."
1: it doesn't really work. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. I just I I actually that gives me such a headache. I have strong feelings of hatred surrounding that.
2: Talk to me. I just, Tell me.
1: I just think it's so funny that if you really look at it, our ancestors wanted to do anything to not have those last names, yeah. which is why they switched to Smith oh, and so Jacob yeah. and P- Patrick. Like It's why they switched to that. And here we are desperately trying yeah. to change our names back to Fernandez yeah.
0: to well, seem more suitable well, to others so
1: people could be like... Label. Oh, I get you now
2: because now it's become commodified, right? Yeah. Being being a diverse person has been proven now to make money. Yes. So now it's this uh, weird kind of a mirror image of racism that's happening, where it's like we really want you to be diverse. Yeah, and you're like, well, what do you mean by that? Uh, just don't just have dark skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to know anything about you.
0: I couldn't
1: agree with you more, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, I am diverse, so. Yeah. But no, no, I get it. We need a giant T-shirt that says that. And I'll wear it all the time. (laughs) I just, just, yeah, that stuff, that stuff bugs me. And I had so many people that changed their names with like Actors' Equity and and, and the Writers' Union and all those things. So that on paper, they'd be like, "Ooh, this fits that quota, you know?
2: Or like I'll be eligible for this grant if exactly, I exactly yeah.
1: exactly. Have
2: you found any? Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about how this has affected you as an actor. Have you yeah. found this kind of uh, identity, maybe imposter syndrome, that kind of stuff coming into your writing?
1: Interesting. Um, no, not with writing because I get I get to call the shots when I write. Oh, you know cool. what I mean? Like I get to what call do you mean by rules? That? Um, like I think I. I get to do the thing that I love the most in writing, which is that I can tell a story that's like pretty women, but mm. like pretty woman, but it just so happens that the lead of it is a brown person. Like mm. it has nothing to do right. with like also make her wear like a giant sombrero to show off her diversity. Yeah. Like right. it's just that these stories are just told through the scope of a person of color instead of
2: without that being the central thing exactly yeah
1: yeah Yeah. and that's sort of what i focus on in my writing which i which is what i just resonate with i think that's great
2: i often have the thought of uh because there is a lot representation is obviously making great strides in the entertainment industry Mm -hmm. but i think we still haven't gotten to that point where uh having people of color in lead roles or in you know department head positions behind the scenes yeah. isn't a story anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I want I want us, I want diverse people to be boring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes! I want nobody to care.
1: I, exactly! Yeah. I I couldn't agree with you more. But I think more. we're still in that
2: territory where everybody's like, here's a press release about how diverse Diversity. our production is. Yes,
1: I couldn't agree with you more. I really want to get to a place, and I really, where like uh, it's a movie like Lady Bird, but it just so happens yeah. to be like like a brown mom and a brown daughter and it I has not like that's that's it's never like then it's never dis, like you know what I mean it's never right. discussed right their heritage isn't put like for it, it should be but I just you yeah. know I want to see and I think it's happening like I think yeah. The Big Sick did that really well yes I um, love that movie I love that movie and I thought it, it's it straddled that line yeah really well and I want more of that
0: yeah
2: how about yeah. Uh, just uh being a working artist in New York, uh-huh. uh, working with other comedians, other writers. I know you do, you do too many things to even talk <laughs> yeah. about, uh, yeah. but do you ever find, uh, cause I'm sure you work with white people a lot. Oh, yeah. Like what, is, uh, do you ever have any strained inter- interactions with them or, uh-huh. uh, I'm trying to form a coherent oh, thought Oh, I here.
1: know, I know, I know, I know what you're getting at. Um,
2: and I'm not, for yeah. whatever audience this podcast has, I'm not asking Alex to just shit on white I know,
1: people right now. I know, no, I, no, no. I know. But I kind of I know, like you kind of are. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: because I know, I, just from, I've worked with you a few times, yeah. and you do a really good job of kind of finding your tribe. Yeah. Uh, and uh, working with people who, were, who are either really simpatico with your Mm -hmm, upbringing or mm -hmm. have a really similar upbringing. But when you're in rooms with people who are nothing like you, Mm -hmm. um, what's that like? Do you make an active effort to sort of take up space uh, or do you sort of, you know?
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a really, really great. Oh my God. That's a really great, great question. I think for, for personally for me, it's, it's not about, um, it's not about me not getting anything like, or like me not getting the jokes they're putting forward. Mm -hmm. I think, I think for me, for some reason, whenever I work with other people of color, Mm. there's just like a kindness that comes with working with them Mm. and a respect for one another. I think when I work with a lot of white comedians For me, their humor is a little dickish. In Mm. my brain, like that is just the thing I hate to say.
2: I love it. Keep going. I
1: hate to say, like uh, I, I don't know. Like it's a, it's a lot of like uh, a lot of like uh, mean humor or like really sort of like dickish broy humor that I don't like. Uh So it's not about references I'm not getting. Right. Like if you reference something, it's like a tone. It's a tone. It's all tone for me personally. Yeah. Because it's not like. With I know a lot of mixed race people that they work with white people and they're like, I just don't get that reference. I don't get what you're saying and right. I can't contribute. And it's better when I do comedy with people that understand more so what I know to be funny. yeah But it's not that for me at all. I get the jokes. I get what you're doing. Right. I just think that it's a lot of bulldozing. <clears throat> it's a lot of being rude, I think, for a laugh that I mm. don't. Enjoy. It's mm-hmm. a lot of um uh I wanna
2: know. I wanna tell the listeners that right now as Alex is thinking of further ways to shit on white people. She's smiling wider than I've ever seen her smile.
1: <laughs> oh god, it's just like a lot of I don't know. Like I just really think that uh like people of color are <laughs>
2: better <laughs> uh, ladies no, and gentlemen you heard it, heard it here right first here. uh alex uh, thinks man. that uh we are the master race Yep,
1: i do <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> we uh, want uh... to extinguish <laughs> you <off. laughs> um i think they're more careful and they're better at constructing jokes and you know like i there is only so often that i can hear like a white dude tell a dick joke until yeah. i'm until i'm just like oh, i've I've had enough. Right. You well, know what a, I mean.
2: Also, just we've had the, we we've had specific lived experiences mm-hmm. that are different enough from the what's the standard in this country yeah. that I think even if our you know our technical, if I'm speaking in improv terms, even if we're not making the the correct moves. Mm-hmm. Like we're doing interesting things that are informed by experience.
1: Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. 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 I think, well, you just articulated what I could not.
2: Hey, that's what I'm here for. There it is.
1: <laughs> um, I actually just did, to give a shout out to this, I just did a wonderful show called Who Made the Potato Salad. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I've heard of it. Yes.
1: It's really great. And it really just celebrates people of color. And I just directed the, um, I was one of the directors. There were three others, but... I just directed the um, uh, women of color takeover and that truly I'm not just saying it was the best writers room I've ever been a part of and I just think there was like a, um, a care with mm. what was done even if it even if some stuff was garbage during the first read yeah I could still see a level of like uh, of like caring about yeah. things a little greater and I just think it's because there are less shots so when you get a shot you're gonna come to slay
2: I was gonna say you know especially with um with people with people with immigrant parents, whether they're first or second yeah. generation immigrants, yeah, uh, there's a certain amount of stakes to everything that you don't find in white performers or writers.
0: Yeah,
2: uh, where it feels like for us, it's like, oh, we don't, we we don't have that much time or that many opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like we need to get it right this time. Mm-hmm. And I think that leads to a, a a more caring writers room, a more caring rehearsal room,
0: yeah,
2: uh, and just more receptive work.
1: Yeah. You know? Exactly. I think so. And I think it's just because if you look at our, if you look at comedy specifically, it's dominated by a certain group of people. Yeah. So if it's dominated by them, they, they, those people do feel in their element and they feel comfortable all the time. Right. But if you are not the dominated group, you have to Bring it, yeah. whatever it is, yeah. to the table.
2: And then, even all then, the even when you bring it, a lot of what you do is only going to be seen as a reaction to what yeah. other people are doing instead of, I have ideas. Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, oh, I hate to say it, but to go back to Lynn, his father, who is a wonderful yeah. speaker,
2: Luis Miranda. Yeah.
1: Uh, I remember when they did the documentary on on Hamilton, his father was like, I don't understand the stereotype of Latinos being lazy because they have to work twice as hard to get half as much. Like that is the,
2: that's the rhetoric. Black people have been hit with the same stereotype. Yeah. Uh, When in reality, it's like, no, No. we do everything for it, especially Latinos. Yeah. And that's something going back to people throwing around the word Mexican, like it was a derogatory term. Uh, And all these people had Mexican gardeners, Central American nannies. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's this really, I don't know how that stereotype gets perpetuated. I really don't understand. I really don't know.
1: I also truly believe that they're doing the jobs that like white America doesn't want. Like they're doing those jobs because there are jobs to be had. Yeah. 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 Uh, God, and that's my two cents from the actor that you've been wanting to really listen <laughs> to. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So this is um, this is
2: great. I, this I is great. I feel like maybe we're starting to run out of steam. But is there anything else you want to talk about?
1: Um, oh my God, yeah. Let's talk about this because I know this probably won't be a topic brought up with like other uh, people. Yeah, but, please. Um, how do you think that growing up in a white community, although you are biracial, has affected what you're attracted to in your dating life? Whoa. Whoa, right?
2: Damn. Damn. I should You should be hosting this. Right? <laughs> in my dating life. Yeah. I. That's the thing. I think I'm a, a, a specific species of biracial person, which mm-hmm. is uh, the the totally and completely white passing person. Uh, species. Mm -hmm. Like I I've only recently become comfortable with telling people and making sure people know that I'm Peruvian um, Mm -hmm. because for the imposter syndrome thing is so strong that for so long I've just been like I can't claim that. I have white privilege in two countries. (laughs) Not just one. So like I'm not gonna like claim being part of a marginalized group that feels weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think partially as a result of that I've pretty much only dated white people Mm -hmm. uh yeah you're nodding (laughs) i'm nodding because that's
1: what i'm trying to get at yeah so have i yeah yeah
2: yeah even though you know i grew up in a spanish-speaking household Mm -hmm. even though my dad was white he spoke fluent spanish because he was raised in spain yeah uh so i think you know especially growing up in a rich community and Mm -hmm. growing up in an american community there's a real pressure to assimilate yeah is that my phone i
1: think that's your phone you should keep this part That's in.
2: Definitely my <laughs> This is definitely my phone. <laughs> oh, is
1: it? Oh my god, it's my
2: phone.
1: Oh my god. Oh I'm my that god. I wow and something great just happened. I was, it was saying scam. Su- it was scam.
2: <laughs> I was saying such amazing things too. You
1: were Take that back. I don't Take remember. Two.
2: I don't remember what I was saying.
1: Damn. Something about um,
2: white people suck where the master is. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly.
0: Um, was I say?
2: oh no I remember yeah. now uh, so uh, blah 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 Uh... uh there's a real pressure to assimilate, uh, especially in wealthy communities, which it feels like we grew up in similar neighborhoods. Uh-huh. Um, so I quickly stopped wanting to speak Spanish in the house with my mom because I wanted to be like everybody at school. Uh-huh. Uh, cause I think probably kindergarten, I knew English, but I wasn't speaking it at all at home. So it was a little bit of a struggle. Uh-huh. Uh, and then from there, uh, I was like, I don't want to speak Spanish anymore. Right. And now it's completely reversed where I'm begging my mom for us to speak Spanish.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> uh,
2: so I think uh, I think there's a real pressure to culturally assimilate, and that sort of led to me doing what everybody else in you know Scarsdale, New York, does, which is yeah, yeah. everybody's white and we date each other.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I couldn't agree more. I I think what I like to admit to give myself sort of a pass yeah. is that you're just attracted to what you were raised around. Yeah. And if you were raised in a white community and went to Catholic school and stuff, mm. and there was like, uh, in my case, like pretty boys around that got attention, you all of a sudden think that that is, att- is right. what an, att- an attractive person That's is. That's
2: your socialized definition That's of attractive. That's your socialized yeah.
1: definition of an attractive person. Right. But if you were raised in an all Latino community, you're understanding of what an attractive person is might be completely, um, completely different, different.
2: Completely different. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, which is why, like... Which is why one of my biggest pet peeves is when, like, just people who look... Exactly the same date each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, I literally <laughs> hate that so much. Yeah. And I'm like, you have to be aware of what you're doing. You're yeah. just dating someone that looks exactly like you, right?
2: Yeah. Well, people aren't. Um, this is the kind of stuff people aren't aware of.
1: They're not aware of. Yeah. But I also I mean, have we, to we get think, it. It's what you were raised yeah, around.
2: I think that's a really good point. Our, 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 our values are dictated largely by the culture we're raised in, uh-huh. not necessarily the one that is our heritage yes. for especially for children of
1: immigrants yeah, exactly. Uh,
2: I go to Peru at least once a year. It's usually like a once a year clip. My mom yeah. goes a little more often yeah,
1: uh, yeah, yeah and
2: I love going and to a certain extent part of me feels at home there, but I do feel like such an outsider mm-hmm. because I was raised I was raised American and I really feel like you know an American kid from New York.
1: yeah, yeah. And then I think that what's harder to admit is I think the underbelly of all of this is when you have immigrant parents that came here, it is sort of a triumph for them to see you dating an American, you know what I mean? Or a white American. I think that it that is. Yeah, I I think that. I mean, I think in my deep, like in the thing that I would hate to admit, I think in a lot of Latin communities... If you date like, um, there's a lot of Latin communities that are that are racist, that are colorist.
2: You don't need to tell me. Yeah, (laughs) that
1: if you come home with a black boyfriend, it's not great. Yeah, and you didn't. You didn't do as well yeah. as, <laughs> yeah. you know, like your cousin who is now dating, like, a white guy who wears a lot of ties. That like, is you just, very
2: true. I and just that is think another that thing. that's, like,
1: a thing we don't talk about Yeah,
2: much. and that's a thing I try to point out to white people mm-hmm. when they whenever they mention diverse. Be- white people get a very specific tone of voice when they say the word <laughs> oh, diverse. Yeah. Uh, but I try to point out that, like, everybody who's not a white American, it's not like we're all holding hands and getting along <laughs> in the rest of the world. Like, no! Peru, Peru has a whole horribly racist history yeah. like li- there's uh an avenue in the middle of the city that used to be named avenida mandingo
0: which oh is no <laughs>
1: terrible terrifying,
2: terrible like yeah. arguably even worse than america
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, so it's always so funny when like well-meaning people will be like well what's it like in south america and i'll be like it's fucked up uh, but it's it really is fucked, up. fucked up oh yeah yeah
1: for sure we shouldn't get a free pass just yeah. because like because I think right now in this current climate, we all do have a common enemy or a common thing that we're, we're all trying to get equality. Right. But w- when you get in the weeds of something, there is a lot of just internal racism still yeah. going on. Yeah. And I think that's like, I think that's, that's, that's specific. like, I, I think that I, I was definitely raised with some of that for sure. Me
2: as well. Yeah. Me too.
1: Yeah. Um, which again, to the larger <laughs> question it all really sucks when you're trying to be your authentic self. Yeah. But you do feel like a fraud. Yeah. Like I'm Middle Eastern and I'm Venezuelan and there are still POC communities that I don't want to lay claim to. Yeah. Because I still, I still know that I have a, I have a large amount of privilege with Whew. the, like, um, the lightness of my skin, even though I am Brown mm-hmm. with, uh, the socioeconomic community I was raised Maybe. in. Like Cisgendered. they're Exactly. Yeah. Cisgender. Exactly. Like that's exactly correct. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, I had, ha- I,
1: it's, it's, I, <laughs> I struggle with that
2: every single day. I was yeah. just uh, talking to a friend about this who was trying to convince me that like, no, you're a person of color. You can lay like, claim to this. And yeah. I still am unable yeah. to, <laughs> so I still it, am un- unable. It's to.
1: hard. So then how do you like, Then that's the question. How do you do it? Because when you're in those communities, like when I was invited to do who made the potato salad, I felt like I was home in in that group of women. That's great.
2: That's amazing. And
1: that's wonderful. Yeah. So I think it's just about finding a home in places, but... Not being the loudest voice in the room when mm. you don't have to be. Right. I think maybe there's where the balance yeah. is, but that's a question still. Yeah. I don't know. I figuring think it out.
2: It's a really specific thing in America where every minority group is painted as a monolith, mm. uh, either at, as voters or just as people. Uh, and especially Latinos where there are so many Latin countries yeah. <laughs> with completely different deals mm-hmm. uh, and I think on my days where I'm really doubting like I'm not Latin I'm not a Latino I'm I'm'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a socialized white like blah blah blah, blah. Uh, I I think about that that the average white American sees uh Hispanic person as one thing
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: and if I can help get people to see that like we are not we are far from one, one thing, thing. <laughs> like yeah. we are millions of things mm-hmm. and I, I think that gets me through my my tougher days.
1: Right, right. I think what gets me through my tougher days is, um... Oh, God. Understanding that my connection to things is not fraudulent. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, uh... That my connection to Latino culture is not... is not me being a fraud. This is already hard, and then to pursue a career that forces you to fit into boxes right. is then doubly hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I think making my own work was the, a huge turning point. Yeah. And then... Um, Can you
2: think of what the first project was?
1: Oh, God. Uh, what was the first project where I really felt like myself? I think... Um,
2: that's an intense question.
1: That's a really intense question. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, yeah, I can. It was a it, it was a it was a mockumentary that Frankie uh, LaPace and I did with Rosa Baby called Frank and Patty, mm-hmm. where we literally played old people. Yeah, that's when I first felt like I was making the work I wanted to see. <sighs> Fuck yeah. Yeah, and it it had nothing to do with race. I think that's why. Yeah, it had nothing to do with it. It has to do with we were characters. Mm-hmm. We were funny characters, and it truly was just us writing something that. We laughed at, but we weren't trying to. I don't think we were trying to comment on. We were certainly not trying to comment on anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, and that's when I was like, "Ooh, I'm. I think I'm onto something." It sounds there.
2: like you. It sounds like you found something that was what we were talking about earlier, where it's just. And I'm not saying your project was boring, but yeah. like all that racial socioeconomic stuff was the boring part. Yeah, like, that wasn't the thing. That like, wasn't the thing. Yeah,
1: and it might be other people's things, yeah. like people doing comedy and commenting on that. Oh, it's wonderful. That it's necessary. might, exactly. That yeah. might be your thing. But I think my act of rebellion or resistance was just writing what I thought was funny. Yeah. And then casting people of color and revolving it around. Giving work to those people, yeah, but not it being like not doing something like decoded or something like that, right? Decoded, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's not where I was going to flourish.
2: Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I I think there's something about being mixed, maybe, and I'll see as I talk to more people that might lend yeah. itself to that lane where it feels maybe. like I I don't know if I can quite lay claim to being this political. Uh, mm-hmm. Artist that really makes stuff about race when I feel so, like, stretched between things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think maybe the power we have is to make it boring, you know?
1: God, man, I I could cry hearing that. I think that's exactly it. it. I know, Do right? It. It's a podcast, so you won't see my my <laughs> tears. Um,
2: no, this is but fantastic. This, this is exactly I think we're why, is exactly exactly why I wanted to have these conversations.
1: That's exactly right. Our, like, I, I only can speak for myself, uh, yeah. not our, but... I do think my contribution to this world will just be making things I think are funny and making them very boring and normal. Hell yeah. And then just casting it with not boring normal white people. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Alex, That's it. thank you so much for coming on today. <gasps> of
1: course. Thank anything, you for having me. Is there
2: anything you want to plug?
1: Uh, oh my God, is there anything I want to plug? Yes, I currently have a new mockumentary out called People of the Pop with uh, my... Uh, writing duo Rosa Baby Comedy um, and then I have a short film coming out called Side Piece which will be my first solo screenwriting endeavor that I'm really excited about hell yeah yeah
2: Alex thank you so much
1: <sighs> thank you so much thank you
2: yay yay Hey, everyone. So there's a weird jump in the audio here because uh, Alex and I thought our conversation was over. But as soon as I turned the mic off, we just kept talking uh, and it was still really interesting. So I decided to turn the mic back on. Enjoy the rest. I'll go after. What were we just
1: talking Um, about? Oh, uh, if you're if you're willing to disclose your age on the 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 podcast. Yeah, Yeah, I asked you how old you were. Yeah.
2: uh, So right now I'm 25.
1: 25. Amazing. I'm 26. And... That's a lie. I'm 27. Oh, I'm 27.
2: My God. I
1: lie about it. I have a real big complex with my age. Um, <laughs> that anyways, is but that's for I, another podcast. That's for another podcast. But here's the reason I yeah. think is because I I came here when I was 18 and I started auditioning right away. Yeah. And I think that you're given you're allotted a certain amount of time in the eyes of your family and people around you to get. To do this yeah. before it becomes. We're worried about you, and we wonder if you'll make it in life. Yeah,
2: that's period. I, that is. This is a question I had written down, but didn't quite get to earlier. Yeah. Uh, was like, what the fuck was your parents' reaction to being a, a crea- like an actor, like being a creative person? Because for children of immigrants, yeah. that's a real complex. It's
1: a real thing, right? 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 I, I. They were wonderfully on board. Yeah, they were really, really on board. Mine too. Um, I. I don't want to assume, but I think my father was so on board because he did come from a like a very Lebanese Middle Eastern culture where you just like take care of your daughters and until they <laughs> maybe get married and then you yeah. don't have to sort of deal with it anymore. So I think in the eyes of my father, I he can still like take care of his little girl, even though I'm 27. <laughs> Until the day I find a husband. And then I think he's So like, it's
2: like he doesn't have to let you go quite yet.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, so I think sweet. in his eyes, I'm still like a little kid figuring it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which I still feel like that's exactly who I am um, sometimes. But that's more so with with Middle Eastern cultures than I think with anything else.
0: Got it.
2: What about the Latin side?
1: The Latin side, I think my mom was just... Was fine with it, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, she was okay.
2: But you mentioned there's a little bit of fear, and I have the same fear. <laughs> yeah, even though it's unfounded, my mom is unconditionally supportive of what yeah. I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every day, I have this voice in the back of my head that's like, "Oh, hey, she moved here from another country. Don't yes. fuck this Don't up. Don't
1: fuck it up." Exactly, yeah. exactly. I think that is something that I certainly do have. Yeah. Um. But the thing is, is that with this biracial stuff. I think it's harder for you to figure out what you bring to the table and who you are. Hmm. And so because of that, it's harder f- to be in a place where you're like, oh, now I'm now I'm working right. like now. I'm doing the right thing. But yeah. that's around the time where I think I have this complex of people start to give up on you and wonder yeah. if you're just wasting your time.
0: Right.
1: Um And I think that does come from having immigrant parents. Yeah. I I certainly do. And I
2: think people who don't, whose parents are, you know, natural born citizens have some of the same thing, but just not to the same degree. There's this old American mythology about like, why aren't you a lawyer or a doctor? Yeah. Uh, But for uh, first or second generation Americans, it's uh, to an intense level.
1: To an intense degree. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. what was I gonna say? I forget. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forget. Yeah. Um, it's a really, uh, yeah. It's a crazy story. I um, I, I think the other thing that is true to me is that I don't know if you feel this or if this is off topic. But then it becomes a thing that if you haven't discovered yourself, it's hard to celebrate the small successes. Like,
2: oh, what do you mean
1: by that? I mean by that, like, having immigrant parents, you don't want to celebrate the small things until you get the big thing in life, mm. until you get the big break or the big success. And yeah. then you can shout it from the rooftops. Right. But all the small steps you, take to get there, yeah. it's almost like you don't want to tell anybody. You don't want to say it out loud.
2: You're blowing my mind right now. I right? I, I, I have a story. It's not quite a story, but yeah. I vividly remember when I graduated from college, mm-hmm. which... Um, it should be a big deal to a, to a child of an immigrant. I, I downplayed it to a degree that my mom was like, why are you not excited about graduating from... She actually pulled me aside and was like, are you okay? Like, mm-hmm. what's happening? And I was like, yeah, it's just it doesn't matter. College doesn't matter that much. Did you do the same thing? I
1: did the exact same thing. That this is, is so insane weird. to me. That's so weird. I...
2: She, like, threw me this big, beautiful, like, graduation dinner, and I was just constantly downplaying it to everybody to the point where I still feel bad about
1: it. Oh, my God. I... The only thing I had in my brain coming into this podcast was this story in my brain of... I graduated from a conservatory program that I... I wasn't proud of myself at all. Like, a graduation felt like garbage to me. It wasn't something that I because i had a i had a goal in my brain which was oh to be successful in as a writer as an artist in any way and unless yeah. that was the thing right i wasn't going to celebrate anything yeah. beforehand and so i remember i i still feel bad about this i didn't let them go to my graduation we got dinner Whoa. and then there was a graduation after party that i didn't even write down the address and yeah. that day in new york it rained and so I just remember being with my entire family in the pouring rain on the streets of Manhattan, like, leading them to nowhere because I didn't want to take them to the rooftop party where it was. Wow. So, and I didn't write down the address, and then I really saw myself, and I was like, wow, they wanted to celebrate me, and I refused to celebrate myself. What
2: is that? Is that because we just, like, we have this (laughs) expectation in our head that we feel like we need to live up to?
1: I don't know. Maybe. I don't really know what it
2: is, but I have the exact same thing where I... I, uh, I downplay my successes. Yeah. And I've never thought of that as a, as a mixed race or second generation American thing.
1: I think maybe it has to do with it though. Yeah. It, and here's, I guess my theory that I'm thinking of on the spot right here is that to be an artist, when you have immigrant parents who like struggled to come here mm-hmm. and then I don't, and then you have siblings that have done incredible things what you do, or what we do, seems like such a joke. Yeah. And until you prove yourself in, like, an economic way or in a f- popularity way, yeah, you don't want to celebrate a second of your... What you think is a joke yeah. life. even Because when, you're seeing it through someone else's even lens. Even
2: when your family and my family are all, they don't think it's a joke. They think it's great. They support me. But yes. I still think that they think it's a joke.
1: Yes, <laughs> I think this is true. Like if we brought in our moms, they'd be like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. We support you fully. Yeah. But it's like, oh my God. I have to keep thinking this is What if is we a joke? did an
2: episode where we both <gasps> brought our moms... <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god, there is it. Oh my god. I wouldn't be opposed. I wouldn't be opposed. We should get them in here and talk to them immediately. That's a great idea. <laughs> that's an amazing idea. Oh man. Wow. That's insane. This is
2: really blowing my mind. It's
1: blowing my That's incredible that we had the same experience of graduation.
2: And this is this is exactly what I'm talking about of uh and I of not knowing what is your cultural identity until you find it mirrored somewhere else. Yeah. I never thought of this as maybe a result of my cultural upbringing, uh, and I'm only thinking of it in that context now because of this conversation. Yes! and it, yeah. yeah. I think that's part of the like loneliness of being mixed race.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful reason to plug your podcast that we're on right now, to hey. do this podcast and to have these conversations, because I think it's fascinating actually my my writing partner Frankie Lapace I think because he was raised not with the economics like privilege that we had
0: uh-huh.
1: he is able to see this stuff a little bit more yeah. and he pokes me on it yeah like sometimes when I tell him about something in high school he's like did that have to do with because you were brown and I was like I don't think so he was like think about it again <laughs> like he yeah. he like makes me go back and think about stuff in in my Immigrant way in my right. uh, because of my color, he makes me do yeah. that. Yeah. Whereas, like, I don't have to think of that on my own because yeah. uh, it is such an isolating conversation. Yeah,
2: and yeah. W- that's its own form of privilege that we don't yeah. have to think about it.
0: Boom. And I think yeah. yeah,
2: and I think that's why I I am trying to make more of an a- active effort to seek out people who are like me so that I can think about my life in this context. <laughs> yes. This pod- podcast is for selfish reasons.
1: This podcast is. You know what. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to listen to this episode but us and it will be wonderful
2: Honestly, you're not wrong <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay I think that's good that's wow it. I'm so glad let's that we got that there. down
0: let's call that
2: there and that's it for episode one of La Mescla thank you so much to everybody listening uh, if you want more info please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and uh, put down a review if you want Uh, Check out our Facebook page, uh, which should have a link in the description, and our SoundCloud page. And hey, if you want to throw a little cash to help this podcast continue existing, check out that uh, Patreon link also in the description. Visual art for this podcast was done by Esther Burke. Uh, the song you're hearing is Come With Me by Mateo Sounds off of his EP, Eight Hours to Brazil. I highly recommend you get that on iTunes. Uh, and I'm Adrian Burke. Thank you so much for listening to La Mescla Episode 1. We'll have another one for you next week.